Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, this week I'm going to follow up to the podcast that I did last week, which was on anorexia and hoarding. On my blog, I have recently done a scarcity mindset series. And so scarcity mindset is what happens when your brain believes that food is scarce. And then as that goes on, your brain starts to think that other resources might be scarce as well. And so I believe that this scarcity mindset is what is underneath for many of us these other behaviors that sort of emerge after we've had anorexia for a while after we've been in malnutrition for a while the last week I talked about hoarding and um, I've talked about money a lot in the past so I'm, I'm not going to do a podcast specifically on that again um, this year I might do one later but today I'm going to talk about something I haven't talked about in a podcast before I've written about it in my blog and I have I've also put it in, in my latest book, Rehabilitate, Rewire, Recover, as a symptom of malnutrition, and that is stealing. Now, I want to make it very clear that the urge to steal, kleptomania, whatever you want to call it, just the, just the same way other sort of what I call scarcity mindset behaviours, like hoarding and having weird stuff around money, that's not... Just because some people with anorexia develop these tendencies does not mean that every person with anorexia develops these tendencies. And that's really important because you can't assume anything actually about a person with anorexia and you certainly can't assume that just because they have anorexia that they also have a tendency to steal. So that's really important. And just because I had it doesn't mean that the majority of people have it. I just know that there are a percentage of people that develop this urge to steal as their scarcity mindset stuff and as their energy deficit continues to progress. And I know that it's more than most people would like to admit to, um, but I also know that some people, the, probably the majority of people with anorexia do not develop this. So for me, um, I know that if my lord almost 20 years ago when I was well probably 15 years ago I was at my sickest um I know that had I gone to a therapist at that time I probably and if I'd been honest <laughs> I probably would have been diagnosed with kleptomania or given that label anyway and that would have I absolutely displayed all of the symptoms of that I had a compulsive desire to steal and when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, I didn't know what the heck was going on. And all I knew, I don't know if I even, I don't think I understood that my desire to steal was anything to do with my, um, my lack of being able to eat enough to um, look after my body for such a long time. I don't know if I thought logically about it very much at all. I do know that I was so scared of it that I sort of didn't allow myself to think about it. And that's not to say I repressed or anything like that. I just, I didn't want to explore it. I shut, I, I purposefully was just like, I just don't want to think about this right now. I, I certainly didn't really want to think about it because I thought about it. Then I, I had to admit that it was a big problem. And if I had to, if I admitted that it was a big problem and I had to try and do something about it. And the truth was, I didn't want to do anything about it because Taking things without paying for them felt rewarding to me. Um, that made me feel safe. And I'm going to try and explain why that was. And um, 
This this is this is a tough topic for me. I basically have to admit that I used to be a pilferer. Um, but I'm just hoping that those of you listening to this will begin to understand why when our brains think that we are in desperate circumstances when they turn to desperate measures. And I hope that for those of you listening to this that do the same thing, because I know there will be people listening to this that do the same thing. I've worked with hundreds of people with anorexia, and I know that I'm not the only one that did this by far. And I hope that anybody listening to this that does the same thing can know that this means nothing about them as a person. It does not mean that you're a bad person or a thief. It means that your brain is in a state of desperation. And that's what needs to be addressed. Because since I nutritionally rehabilitated, when I stopped restricting food, when I began eating without restriction, so many things changed. My attitude to money changed. I stopped hoarding things. I began sleeping. All of these things changed. And another one is that I suddenly had no desire to take things. So that's, that's, that's the good news. All right, so let's go back and have a look at, before I get into sort of how that looked like for me, scarcity mindset. So think back to evolving humans, not right now, but thousands of years ago, food and resource scarcity would have been one of the biggest threats to our survival. And so being able to hunt and gather food, that was really essential to the human development as a species. Specifically, being able to cook food actually is apparently what led to the development of our higher evolved brains, if you think of it in that way anyway. Um... And so human migration would have been a thing. <laughs> Scarce resources, you don't just sit around and hope that things get better. You would likely have to move sometimes. And I think that this, for many of us, that's why this genetic response to move a lot and eat very little, as migrating animals do, is what kicks in when our brains believe that we are in an area of food scarcity. And of course, we give our brains, I'm talking about the reptile brain at the moment, I'm not talking about your like logical thinking brain, I'm talking about the part of your brain that just reacts to data that it's being given. That part of your brain is being given data that there is not enough food to sustain your human needs. I don't know. I think that if I was as old as that reptile part of the human brain and I'd had all these thousands of years worth of famine to sort of like put into my battery of knowledge, I would probably assume that that meant that it was a famine as well. Because remember, your reptile brain, it's old and it's preliterate. You can't talk to it, it just reacts. And that over the majority of human um, evolution would have been the problem. If there's not enough food coming in your mouth, it means there's not enough food in the environment. And so then it stands to reason why for those of us that for a long time our brains are being given the message that there's not enough food in the environment, it stands to reason that our brains would start to think that there was general resource scarcity as well. And so, as I explained in the hoarding podcast, that's why some of us start hoarding food and it just feels good to hoard food. It just feels, I couldn't explain it at the time, it just made me feel safe and secure to know that I had a cupboard full of cardboard-like tasting cereal bars, things that my safe foods to eat. That made me feel good and safe. It also made me feel good and safe to save money rather than spend it. It's the rainy day syndrome. Everything was always saving for a rainy day. And so I've explained before that some of the scarcity mindset facets can be a tendency to want to accumulate things and store things, hoarding. And another can be a tendency to feel very stressed and anxious at the prospect of spending money, of giving anything away, of letting go of any resources because money is a resource. And so when you add those two things together, it's probably no surprise to you that for many people with um, long-term anorexia, 
taking things without paying for them starts to develop as a behavior. And I remember exactly how this started for me. It started with things like, well, I'll tell you exactly how it started. I was walking around a grocery store. I wasn't buying anything. I never, you know, I often went on more, daily, <laughs> maybe sometimes, sometimes more than once a day, I would go and I would just walk around grocery stores. That's mental hunger for you. <laughs> um, looking at food and never buying it. Sometimes I might buy some vegetables or something that was safe, but the majority of the time I was just looking at food and I was satisfying that urge to try and find food and without eating it. And um, I was hungry and apples were one of my safe foods and I picked up an apple and I was I intended to buy it. Granny Smith apple. I think I picked up three of them. And um, as I was walking around the supermarket, sort of browsing the shelves, um, it occurred to me that if I ate that apple in the store as I was walking around, it would be gone by the time I got to the register to pay for it. And um, I did that. I ate it sort of like trying to make sure that nobody was watching. Um probably nobody would have cared. It's just a skinny girl eating an apple in a supermarket. Um, and I, I ate that apple and I got this feeling of like I, I'd won. I, I, well, not that I'd won, more that I had come out on top that day, more than I might have done, say, if I bought the apple, because that apple was probably worth 25 pence. Um, you know, this was 15, 20 years ago, so... Anyway, whatever the apple was worth, it wasn't worth very much. And I, But I just remember feeling this sense of kind of warm, cosy, like there was guilt for sure. But there was also this sense of like, yes, you, you've done something well. You, just this kind of reward feeling that my brain gave me. And so that developed and it got to the point where I was not really ever buying things like apples. I was just sort of like wandering around the supermarket and eating them. Um, and then that progressed to me dropping things into my bag as I was walking around a supermarket and walking out the store with them, which is straight out stealing things. And every time I did it, my brain gave me that warm, safe feeling of reward. Yes, there was always guilt there, but it was nothing compared to that warm, safe, 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 safe is the main word I want to kind of use there. It felt safe to do that. It felt like I was investing in my future or something. It just felt nice and that was the that was so much stronger than actually the guilt was and that progressed to just anything that I I can you know consumables things that I would hoard they would be all things if I could take them I would take them to the and it wasn't always that I was taking things that I I needed I never took really expensive things at all it was always food. It was always stationary. It was just stupid little things. Loo rolls. Gosh, I was like, I had loo roll kleptomania. I couldn't go into a public toilet without coming out with as many loo rolls as I could pilfer. So things like that. And, um, but sometimes I would take things just because the opportunity was there, not because I had any intention of eating that food at that point or in the near future or unless Armageddon happened. So that's the other thing that I can't really explain. Sometimes I would take things just because the opportunity was there. Even if I didn't even like that thing or need it, it just made me feel like I've got this. I've got this in case I need it. That made me feel safe. And so you can look at that behavior and you can just class it as just like, well, that's, that's stealing. Or you can really look at what's going on in my brain behind that and understand that my brain is rewarding me for 
taking things without actually giving anything away for them. And that is what a brain would do if a brain believes that resources are scarce, if a brain believes that it's everyone for themselves out there, that something big and bad is likely going to happen, that something that means that resources are going to get even scarcer is likely going to happen. That is actually what a smart brain would do in that situation. And it's really difficult because I was not in Armageddon. I was not in a resource scarcity but my brainstem area didn't believe that. My brainstem area thought I was because my actions were giving it data to think that it was. And so this is where it came, you know, I imagine that say if, if Armageddon did happen and suddenly the world is really is a one everybody for themselves type of place. I imagine that nobody is going to beat themselves up for stealing a loo roll and apple. It's just gonna seem like this is what we had to do because this is what we had to do. Um, I couldn't do that. I just knew that I felt like I needed to do those things. But then afterwards, I would feel guilty and it would be like, why the hell didn't I do that? You know, the other thing was I could afford stuff. I was a workaholic. Talk about that in another podcast. That's another scarcity mindset thing, FYI, to want to gain as much, to attain as much money as possible. Anyway, so I, I had plenty of that. But as I've explained before, it would make me extremely anxious and stressed to use my money, even if it was 25 pence. Um, whereas, yeah, that feeling of getting something without attaining something without actually giving anything away for it, at that time, my brain gave me a big reward for it. And so that was horrific for me to live through. And a lot of the time it did feel a bit like an out-of-body experience. Um, it's like I could feel, I could see myself taking something and a part of my brain was like, no, that's so bad. <laughs> and another part of my brain was like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. So that was pretty horrible. Um, but, and, and you know, it took me even years after starting writing my blog to be able to bring this up because I was just so avoidant of it because it's it's so shameful. But I don't feel ashamed of myself anymore because I understand why my brain did that. Um, and for the most part, I was stealing apples and bags of risotto, um, which leads me on to another story. So the first time I was arrested was in Edinburgh and I was in... Um, Harvey Nichols, I think it was Harvey Nichols, um, pretty sure. Anyway, so department store, I'm wandering around and I actually had my sister and her boyfriend at the time coming up to visit me in university and they were going to stay in Edinburgh and um, I wanted to be able to offer them some food and none of my kind of weird safe foods that I had in my flat were really going to be um, something that one could offer to anybody else. Um and I saw this box of mushroom risotto and it was one of those kind of like poshly packaged in a nice sort of like brown cardboard that, yeah, yeah, poshly packaged and it was just, but it was just mushroom risotto. It was probably worth about three or four pounds. Um, and I took it, I slipped it into my bag and then on the way out of the store, you know how those department stores have the sort of double glass doors that, um, so they've got like to keep the heat in, especially in Edinburgh. And I was kind of like met by a security person in, as I was exiting through the, the double glass doors. And he asked me if he could look in my bag. And, you know, the moment, the moment I saw him, I knew, oh my God, I, it was just devastating. And I, I, I know I started blubbing then. I was just so embarrassed. I was so horrified at myself. 
And I think it's because the store has a had a real zero um, tolerance policy on that sort of thing, and quite right, they they wanted to make a big deal out of it, but, you know, because that's what they do. They want to discourage you from doing that sort of thing or anybody else, and so they did make a big deal out of it, and they kind of like dragged me through the store in handcuffs, and they had a big couple of police cars flashing lights out the side, and kind of walked me out and and into the high street, and then I had to get in these police cars, and then I was driven to the station. I was kept all day in the station they did the whole fingerprints mug shots and things like that I just think I cried all day and a like ball in the floor I was just I was you know or can you imagine all the thoughts that went through my brain what my family gonna think everybody's gonna know I thought my life was over I thought that my university degree would get taken away from me I thought this is gonna go on my record I'm never gonna be able to get a job again or I thought that packet of mushroom risotto had ended my life as I knew it um and so then I was released at the end of the day and the police actually wanted, they insisted on driving me to my front door. Again, I think it might be a thing like we're going to sort of like embarrass you as much as possible. So they drove me to my front door where my um, flatmates saw the flashing lights and things like that. And I remember my flatmates coming out and sort of asking me like, what the heck has gone on? Where have you been? And I just kind of said something like, oh, there was an incident in the shopping centre and, and I was a witness to someone doing something. So the police like wanted to ask me questions. I, I lied, basically. I didn't say what the actual thing was. I was far too ashamed. Um, and then I had to wait about six weeks in complete suspense because I had to wait to hear what the charges against me would be and if I'd have to go to court and things like that. And so, um, well... Uh, yeah, as you can probably imagine what that sort of stress let my eating disorder get even wilder. I think, yeah, that wasn't a very good time. I just, that's actually one of the times that my, my exercise compulsion really ramped up in that, in that sort of time of waiting to hear of my life as I knew it was going to be over. And, um, and then I got a note from the attorney general saying that they were worried about my state of health and that the store had decided not to press charges um, and I think they said something like, we highly recommend that you seek the support of uh, a counsellor or something like that. I don't know. Um, all I remember feeling is this huge sense of relief. Like, thank God. And I was terrified. And then I was so relieved. And um, I'm, really, I'm really glad that they did not ruin my life with that mushroom risotto. I really wish that though they had forced me to go and seek professional help because that was all I got, that letter. There was no follow-through or anything to make sure that I was actually doing that, and I didn't. And here's the really crazy part. The whole time I was waiting for that verdict for or the, that letter or that summons or the whole time that I was in that situation, I was still stealing things from stores. That's how compulsive it was. That's how non-optional it felt. And I was terrified. And I'm like, I'm a relatively smart person. I knew that if I got caught again, that while that was in process, I was not going to get off. I knew that. I knew what was at stake. And I still couldn't stop doing it. And the only time I stopped doing it was years and years later when I started to eat without restriction. And like I said, that was also when I started sleeping and I stopped hoarding and I stopped being so tight about money, gradually all those things. But really one of the less gradual parts of that, like the money spending thing sort of clung on for a long time. It took me a long time to get out of that. But it really was even in that first month where I was eating without restriction that that went, um, which is incredible, really, 
that was what that the the urge to steal was one of the first things that went when I started eating a lot of food um and I'm very thankful about that and I think that for anybody listening to this if you have this problem you can go to all the therapy you want to you can talk about it with counselors you can vow to change the thing that is going to sort this problem out for you is getting nutritionally rehabilitated to eating unrestricted amounts of food because once my brain was getting what it needed once my body was getting what it needed and my brain was getting the feedback that we were out of this intense resource scarcity um it stopped giving me the urge to do that and you know (laughs) I think that because in that six weeks when I was waiting for that verdict I ramped up the exercise I had so much stress I restricted even more if anything actually my urge just still got even more in that time um and so I think that well a couple of things with this it's a really important reminder that regardless of how superior we humans think we are we're all just mammals and when it comes down to it when our brains are threatened with resource scarcity they will act and react accordingly and the mammal instincts to protect yourself are going to kick in and when they kick in they don't ask you if that's okay they don't ask you is this okay for me to feel like this and for this behavior to happen my brain didn't ask me if it was okay if I wanted to start stealing things, it just started to happen and it felt out of my control. And so while I do have to be accountable for my actions, I can so clearly see that this was due to malnutrition. And I can even more clearly see it because ever since I've been out of malnutrition, the desire to do that is just not there anymore. It's not even like I have to force myself not to, it's just not there. My brain has no interest in doing that. And so that's the really important message. If you are a person with anorexia, if you have a restrictive eating disorder of any kind, bulimia or whatever it is, if your body is in energy deficit and you are doing things, odd behaviors that don't seem like the authentic version of you and they sort of feel like they are out of your control, they are going to be something that your brain has decided is an appropriate reaction to resource scarcity. And the way to get yourself back to you, back to the authentic version of you, is to get yourself out of energy deficit. And the way that you get yourself out of energy deficit is you eat and you eat and you eat. So that's all for this week's podcast. If you have any thoughts on this, if you have a perspective, if you have a story that you would like to share, live or not live, on, on the record or off the record, that's kind of funny actually considering I've been talking about the police, on the record or off the record, you can email me info at tabithafra.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers and until next time. Cheerio.